Maddie and I are huge avocado fans, so we are super excited to announce that this episode of Well and Good is brought to you by the Avo Tree. So these guys deliver the tastiest and freshest possible avocados direct from the orchard right to your doorstep. They also provide the best tips and tricks for how to care for your fruit so you can get the best out of your avos. Plus, every avocado is literally hand-picked to order, which means they're helping to reduce unnecessary supermarket waste caused by all those disappointing bruised avos we don't end up using. So we get one of their boxes delivered every fortnight, and to be honest, I don't think we'll ever go back to buying supermarket avocados. Just good quality, fresh avos delivered straight to your door. Kia ora. Kia ora. Hey, today we have on the podcast Sandro Mota, and he is a Brazilian breathwork instructor, teacher, guru, um, who's a fascinating guy. Maddie and I have have seen him a couple of times and worked through some breathing sessions with him, which we've found kind of life-changing, right? Incredibly powerful. So he uses the breath to help you release uh, emotional trauma, childhood stuff, just whatever that that we all have. And he goes into that in a lot of depth uh, today about how it all works and the science behind it. And it's truly, truly fascinating. I feel like Sandro is the kind of guy that has just found his calling. Like this is what he is supposed to do. And it's, he, he just has such an, an energy about him that he is so caring. And every time I have a conversation with him, I feel like I leave feeling uplifted and motivated and happy. And he just has that effect. He's great. He is great. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really good chat. Um, we also talked a little bit about nasal breathing and how you can use that and it can be beneficial for everyday life. Sports. Sports. Um, yeah, oh God, the guy knows some stuff and it's a very interesting <laughs> chat and we know you're going to love it. He knows some stuff and you're going to learn some stuff, I could guarantee. So enjoy. Welcome, Sandro. Thank you. Hi, we're so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for coming up. Thank you, thank you. Mm. Um, so before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, because uh, Art and I have both done the breathwork session with you quite recently, so we're excited to, to talk about that. We can touch on that a bit later. But first of all, can you tell us a little bit about like what breathwork actually is? Yes, of course. So breathwork, it's nothing more, nothing less than a way to breathe that's going to trigger certain emotions and give you access to some part of your brain that you've been avoiding to access for a while. So I'm talking about my type of breath work, but you can use breathing and co-breath work, anything that will be used throughout the breath to trigger emotions or to rack your autonomic nervous system. So breath work name itself can be used in different ways. But for me, my breath work that I call, I call trauma release. So it's a way to release traumas that haven't been able to be released in a different way. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would call trauma, uh, breath work. Yes, before we get into that, I'd like to, I would like to touch on the differences between the breathwork that you do and then other styles of breathwork like Wim Hof breathwork and, and things like that. But I also want to have a bit of a recap and give a, the listeners a bit of a, an overview of who you are and how you became a breathwork uh, guru, you know, because you, you've also been a professional athlete and you obviously are not from New Zealand, you're from Brazil. Can you give us a bit of a background about yourself? Sure. So I am from Brazil originally. I was born in Brazil in a town called Salvador Bahia, which is the northeast of Brazil. I left Brazil at the age of 18, just turning 19, uh, and I just took off and went to explore the world. So I live in Africa, United States, in Canada, in San Martin, in Mexico, in New Zealand, and in Tunisia. So New Zealand has been the longest place I've been so far. But my journey, not with breath, but with being curious and just trying to find things that I was looking for, started at the age of seven years old. But breath work was for the last six years that I took really serious and dove with head first. Mm-hmm. And my breath work gives so much to myself that this made me feel like, okay, I can't escape now. I have to just go all in and just start to help people the same way that I found the breath have helped me. 
And that's how I became a breath work, you can call guide, guru, that makes me feel expert, <laughs> <laughs> or just a breath work passionate. Yeah. So what what was that about breathwork that first got you into it? Because you were was that at the time that you were competing in Mr. Olympia? That sort of stuff is that when you first got started in breathwork or was Th- it after that's that? That's correct. That's correct. So the first time I actually heard of Wim Hof was I still live in Mexico around 14 years ago. I saw all the crazy records he has achieved, but by that time he didn't have any website, he didn't have any course, but I found very impressed what he had done. And I play a little bit with the yoga, pranayama in Mexico 15 years ago. But when I got to New Zealand uh, nine and a half years ago, I start to look into type of jobs that I could use my passion. And then I dove deep into the fitness area. And then I became a professional athlete around five years ago. My professional career didn't last for too long. Was what, just what exactly for, was it? What was your so I was a professional, uh, what I call a sports model and physique athlete, a natural, natural one. Very important <laughs> to <laughs> say. <laughs> no drugs involved. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time, actually, I started looking to breath work more into uh, a way that I could add something to my business, which was a functional fitness uh, franchise to get a little edge on top of the competitors and start to helping people in different ways. And as soon as I tried the Wim Hof method, that for me just made me feel like, wow, it's something here. And I, I traveled to the United States a few times to, to accomplish my instructor course with Wim. And uh, after that, I thought, well, I want more than that. I just don't want only that. He learned somewhere else. So I, I need also to just find my own identity on that breath area. And then I found a guy in, uh, in Thailand that was a former monk. And I did my whole boutique instructor, which is a completely different way of breathing than the Wim Hof. Again, you can call that breath work, but it's all focused on sports performance with nasal breathing. Uh, it's how to understand the delivery of oxygen at tissue level, understand why CO2 is not actually a bad gas, is an excellent gas to improve performance and to reset a place in your brain that call the oblongata medulla in our breathing center. And you create a high accept- acceptability uh, to CO2. So that's the Buteco method, which I utilize with a lot of my professional athletes and I utilize for myself when I was trying to break the world record for muscle ups, but uh, I was already a little bit too old and my body was broken down, but the <laughs> breath helped to get close. <laughs> Just uh, how, how, how close were you to breaking that record? What was the record three. exactly? The record at the time was 23 straight muscle ups, so not swinging the legs. And I got, if I'm not wrong, to 21. <gasps> so wow. three oh, man. Who, yeah. who has the record? He's a guy from Australia, actually. You know what? I think I actually know the guy. I think I did some rope climbing with him. He's this. He's a a, a little guy. He's a bald, bald guy. Yep. Yes. I uh, went along, you know, with uh, with Drew, Drew's Daily Dust, Drew Harrisburg, <laughs> and another um, guest on our podcast. Um, he brought me along uh, to a session one day where they were just climbing this big rope in a park, and I met that guy, and he was quite impressive. That's yeah. so funny. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, that's pretty amazing that you got so close. I was very proud of myself. That's like, amazing. That's yeah. huge. At the beginning, I was frustrated. I was like, oh, by three. But actually, those three at the end, they feel like 30. Yeah, oh, those are the truth. big ones. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't do one strip. <laughs> really? No way. No. Well, remember, my, my, close. my legs is half of yours, so I don't have much weight left on the bottom <laughs> of my body. So it's easy to put myself above the bar. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll give it a go. <laughs> hey, one one thing you just touched on there is um, nasal breathing. Yeah. How can you tell us a bit more about nasal breathing? Because I saw you sure. doing some posts about nasal breathing and how beneficial it can be. And I've started nasal breathing sometimes when I go for runs. Actually, throughout my day, I try and nasal breathe a bit more. But why is it so beneficial? So you have a few things in your nasal cavity. One thing is the nitric oxide. So it's a gas that in high quantity is extremely poisoning. But again, our body is so smart that every time we inhale through your nose, just the perfect amount of nitric oxide is released into your lungs. And that gas, it specifically is antiseptic and is a vasodilator. 
So every time you inhale through your nose, you give it to your lungs and to your whole system that benefit of vasodilatating. Vasodilating. Thank you very much yeah. for the correction of my horrible accent. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Don't need to apologize. <laughs> and also the benefit of antiseptic and antibacterial. The nasal breathing as well, I, I, I play with everyone and I say, mouth is made to eat and nose is made to breathe. But in the next step that you're going to talk about, the other type of breathing that I'm, I'm also a specialist at, you're going to see that mouth is also made to breathe when you need to achieve different things. But for performance, the nasal breathing, you have that benefit of nitric oxide. You have the filtering the air through the little hairs that you have in your nose. And if you see, even in the primal uh, age and the cavemen and everything, you, you could identify people that was mouth breathing and nasal breathing by the formation of the lower jaw. Really? Yeah. So you see, if you wanted to save money with your beautiful little boy with braces, mm. make sure you observe if he's breathing through the mouth or nose. He breathes through his mouth and goes, <laughs> Okay. He does. He sounds like a little gremlin. How do we stop that? <laughs> Put a bit of tape it? over his mouth or what? Some, some people does that even with babies. I would be a little bit afraid of doing that. Uh, mm. And if you do, just try to observe, you know, I would just wait a little bit longer, but... Uh, Normally, kids that have that mouth-breathing habit, you will 90% sure you spend some money with some brace to correct their the, the, the teeth. Interesting. Wow, that's really interesting. Mm. We were both wow. brace wearers, weren't we? Well, yes, with yes. retainers. Did you have braces as well? Uh, no. Did you? Neither. No, just plates. Just plates. Oh. Um, yeah, just <laughs> sort of small step. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. You, and oh, you sorry. see as well, sorry, that the... The mouth breathing, I'm not talking about the next breathing I'm going to explain to you, but when you mouth breathing throughout the day, you are much more prone to have stress. Really? Yes. Because when you mouth breathe, you can notice that's very hard for you to do a mouth breathing and combine that with a diaphragmatic breathing, which nasal breathing is much easier yeah. for you to inhale to your nose and let the edge to the bottom of your lungs, which in the bottom of the lungs is where you have the biggest amount of what you call the receptors at the alveoli and those receptors are directly connected to the vagus nerve that trigger the autonomic nervous system activation which is parasympathetic and sympathetic so the bottom of the lungs has so much more thickness more stretch receptors which are going to send information quickly to your brain throughout the vagus nerve if you are stressed or if you are in that rest and digest so every time you breathe through your mouth, you not get that air most of the time into the bottom of your lungs in your diaphragm. At the same time, you not exercise your diaphragm, which is one of the biggest muscles in our body, which already not used enough. So you're going to have that short, that sharp, that very fast breathing when you go through your mouth. And retraining how to breathe through your nose have all those benefits and also if you see we have the oxygen and the co2 but oxygen is transferred from your lungs into your bloodstream attached to a, what we call hemoglobin so each hemoglobin has a capacity to attach a certain amount of oxygen molecules so every time those oxygen molecules travel through your bloodstream attach the hemoglobin you will find at your muscle tissue level if there's enough CO2 there. If there's CO2 at your tissue level, those little bones made of protein that attach the oxygen to the hemoglobin will weaken and will allow the oxygen to go from the blood into the tissue. And you'll collect back the CO2 and attach the hemoglobin and take it back to the lungs and you can expel. So if you don't have enough CO2 in your tissues, you're not going to be able to give the oxygen. You can't exchange it. Correct. That's why the CO2 becomes an extremely beneficial gas because if CO2 is present, the delivery of oxygen is possible because those little bones of protein that attach the oxygen to the hemoglobin will weaken it. If it's not, you're still going to expel a, an air that still contains a lot of oxygen that hasn't been absorbed by the tissue. Mm. So the nasal breathing help you to reset a part of your brain that's called the oblongata medulla, which is in a place called the breathing center. 
So art and Matilda, for example, you both have different preset tolerance to CO2 in your system. So if you start to breathe through your nose, that tolerance will start to rise, which consequently for an athlete will increase your lactate threshold. You increase your tolerance to CO2, which you can go for longer, harder. That's awesome. That's really interesting. So, okay, so so then someone listening and wants, wants to give this a go, they can obviously try nasal breathing throughout the day and try and just breathe through their nose more often. How would they incorporate nasal breathing into exercise? At the beginning, it can be a little bit tricky because you note that you get a stage that uh, you need to use a bigger hole <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to be able to keep it up. Yeah. yeah. So I would say start with a very kind of middle level intensity exercise where you can still cope with a nasal breathing because more restricted restricted air and as you keep going you start to challenge yourself a little bit more by going for 30 seconds a little bit harder or you can even do the same test when you walk in the street you can close your mouth and inhale fully exhale and count how many steps you can do before you take the next breath through the nose and you do that for like five, six minutes and do that every day. And you see that as you go by, you'll be able to take more steps after the exhale than you have done two, three days prior. Mm. And you see that means you start to resetting that tolerance to CO2. Mm. So it's very important to not hyperventilate it, but you can do a normal inhale, fully exhale all through the nose and stop breathing and just count how many steps you can do comfortably without having that big urge of breathing and as soon as the first urge of breathing happen take a little breath through your nose not a deep one and just keep your body always in that little craving for oxygen it's almost like you challenge your body you know always leave a little bit of craving okay i'm craving a little bit of oxygen don't suffocate don't suffocate suffer Okay, yourself. Yeah. But keep always that little bit of, okay, I mean, crave a little bit of oxygen. So try to breathe less and breathe through your nose and keep your body always under a little bit of stress that you can tolerate it. And mm -hmm. that will start to make your oblongata medulla to say, okay, I can see now that he can handle a little bit more of CO2. Let him increase a little bit more his tolerance in the computer here. And then you're going to be able to tolerate a little bit more. And that's how you're going to be able to improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I use it um, sometimes when I'm running. And I, I quite like um, quite like saying to myself, okay, I'm going to just breathe through my nose for this run. And it's a good way for me to not run too fast. Because I find often I get a little bit competitive with myself. <laughs> and I go out for a run. And I'm just running for the pleasure of it. So I don't need to go a certain speed or anything like that. But I end up just pushing myself you know quite hard and i don't enjoy the run as much yeah. um so if i decide i'm going to breathe through my nose it forces me to go at a, like a really moderate pace and i actually enjoy the run a lot more yeah. yeah it's a good way to kind of bring you back to where you maybe should be be pushing yourself to then you can you know like as you're saying sandro you can push it a little bit further each time but because like i remember um talking to you about nasal breathing out and then i went for a run and i tried to do it the, the whole time I was like, that's really hard. <laughs> Stop, especially when you're unfit. And so that's really cool hearing you talk about training exercise. So I think next time I'll maybe just start a little bit smaller and work my way up to a, to a full nasal breath run. But, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a challenge if you're kind of used to just going <laughs> on it a run. It is. You know? and, and I tell you, if you train yourself to let nasal breathing often, you see that when you need the mouth you'll be much more effective. So the mouth will come almost like as a turbo help when you really need. Mm. You're not using all the time. Or push up the last hill or something. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so um, with uh, going back to your breath work, so you initially started by experiencing Wim Hof um, method of breath work. And that's more, I, I mean... For those people who don't know, that's kind of like you're doing um, large inhales and then exhales for about 30 or 40 breaths and then holding your breath after you exhale finally and doing sort of three or four rounds of that. And would you say, is that mostly for like physiological benefit, whereas your type of breath work is 
is also spiritual as well as physiological. Uh, you mean the one that I'm more passionate about it? No, yeah. Well, just I'd like to know more about your type of breathwork that you okay. do and how it differs from Wim Hof. Beautiful. So to take that to the to the answer is you have the Wim Hof, you have the boutique that I said, and I have another one that's called rebirthing. Which, funny enough, rebirthing, I learned from one incredible lady in New Zealand named Pauline McNabb. She's around 76 years old and she's been doing that for 45 years. She's a dinosaur. She's incredible. She's my second mother. Wow. So I spent nine months with this beautiful lady and her husband just trained to be a rebirth instructor. And combine the rebirthing, which is all mouth breathing, so completely different, that's when you can touch that spiritual side. And that's where my real, real, real passion came in game because that's what gave me the most. Which Wim Hof is a type of breathing, like you mentioned, Art, and you know as well, Mary, is a breathing that's fascinating for the physiological benefits, but it's not really a rule between nose or mouth. Like Wim Hof says, you can go through any hole. (laughs) 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 Which with Pauline, for example, that she's been trained 45 years ago, uh, all I learned from this beautiful woman was the mouth breathing, the mouth breathing. And when you go through the mouth and you go in a way that uh, you breathe actually to the top of your chest, not the bottom of the lungs, that's where all your emotions are trapped, on the top of your chest. If you see every time you feel anxious or if something that's bothering you, your chest get tight. You just feel like your shoulders there. seem to like get higher. You Correct. Know? Yeah. Correct. So the 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 breath work that I do, the trauma release, is is, is almost like treating stress with stress. Mm-hmm. It's almost like provoking us to allow ourselves to say, "I had enough." Now, what's really bothering me? And then through the guidance that I utilize, that you guys have had experienced is when I come in game with that. I don't want to put any of those listeners out of what I'm saying, but the spiritual side, which for you guys that are listening to that podcast, you can call that the quantum field. You can call, uh, you know, by vibrational, whatever it is. Spiritual for me is anything that you can't see, but you can feel. Mm-hmm. So that breath gives you the ability throughout your mouth to express yourself which perhaps cry as much as you need to relate it to that traumatic experience that you have to suppress that cry. I have, for example, loads of people that have been sexually abused that instead of fight or flight, they frozen and they didn't have that ability to scream for help, to cry. And the mouth gives that ability. At the same time, there's a lot of tension that's just here near to the chest, on the throat, everything that you had to hold together in order to keep yourself alive. So that breath gives you the ability to put the fifth gear and say, I am sick of the way that I'm feeling. I need to find what's really triggering this anxious feeling, this stress, this anxiety. And the breath that I do will give you the ability to feel safe enough, but also to evoke, provoke that feeling so strongly that this time you're not going to suppress anymore. You have to come out. So... Would you say that everybody has emotional trauma of some sort? Because because you're talking about people that have been abused. Like what about just your everyday person that feels like they've had a pretty good life? Do you think they that anybody could, could benefit from this work with you? That's a beautiful question, Mary. And I say no doubt. So if you see, Mary, what you're asking me here, when I tell you people about trauma release breath work, some people be like, oh, I don't need that. I had the best the best, you know, upbringing that anybody else can have. But if you remember one thing, you guys have a baby now, and I have explained that to you guys a while ago as well. When you have a baby and you are a mother or a father, and you are, for example, wearing the most expensive shoes or T-shirt or bag that I have bought that you love so much, and you have your baby in your arms and your baby puke all the food that it just ate, your first worry, I mean, I hope that would be your answer. Your first worry not be the bag or the t-shirt or the shoes. will be, is my baby okay? And you'll be like, oh my God, what happened to my baby? Which if that baby are now four to five years old and already understand that if he doesn't feel well, he needs to communicate with you and say, mom, dad, I don't feel well. I want to puke. And the same thing happened when he's five, six, seven years old. You'll be like, 
come on, you could have told me. So that child that deserves a need like any one of us as a child, an unconditional love, now that unconditional love has a little condition. If you do that again, dad or mom will be upset because you should have told us that you're not feeling well. So you see how that can already in the eyes of a child be a trauma? Mm. Maybe not on our eyes because like, oh, that was so silly. But a child doesn't doesn't think the same way as we think. All the child needs is attachment and authenticity. So he wanted to be who he is and he doesn't want to have any condition to feel loved by you guys. Mm. which any one of us, if you go back at our young age, was some conditions imposed. For example, I have clients that the the mom or the dad lost the parents when the child was four or five years old, and that child would be walking around in eggshells because saw mom and dad so sad and so in a, such a deep grieving that that child doesn't want anymore to upset mom and dad anymore. So if that child was a little bit sad or upset, that little girl, little boy will be quiet and play with the toys, but not go to mom and dad to say, mom and dad, I need a hug. Because they start to respect the mom and dad pain. So the paper on parenthood have reversed at a very young age. So when that child grow up, the love was there, was available, but it was some little things that made that child create a coping mechanism. Suppress an emotion, because I don't want mom and dad to have an extra pattern to mm-hmm. be worried about me. So you see how all those things that I call trauma, sometimes today we don't see as a trauma, but as a child, that's when our coping mechanisms start to get developed. And as you grow up older at school as a teenager, we're going to pull those coping mechanisms out of a draw and utilize in a similar situation that causes a similar emotion. Like if you're in school and your teacher is very upset, but you have something to say, the same way you did to your mom and your dad that lost their parents, you're going to say, I don't want to add stress to my teacher. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm not going to expose my point. It's not important anyway. I can go home and just deal with. So it's one more suppression. And that's why I think nowadays, older we grow and the world's moving very fast, more we start to ask ourselves, gosh, I'm not even myself anymore. What happened to me? And if you go back, everything starts in a very young age. And that's why I'm fascinated about that work because what we're feeling now, 90% of the time is not related to the now. It's related of our perception from a very young age. Mm. Yeah, it's because I found the the breathwork session that I did with you so fascinating because I feel like there was a lot of um, connection with my inner child, which I think as adults, we're always kind of looking forward and we're always looking to to the next thing and what am I going to do next or who am I going to be next? But you forget about the person that has already been through so much and has had to deal with so much that you, you just kind of leave her be. But I think as an adult, it's like we, we almost have this responsibility to like go back and deal with that child that didn't know how to deal with different situations and help her through it to then help our current selves move forward. Kind of like you need to be a parent for your old self. Yeah. Yeah. I found it just incredible and so beneficial. Like after I left that session with you, I felt physically lighter and like, I'm not saying I had a bad childhood or anything, but but it's just like, as you were saying, it's just, we, we all carry emotional trauma of some sort and it's important to just at least figure out how to face it and work through it so you, so you don't feel like there's that burden on you that you can't quite can't quite pinpoint or describe that's yeah. what i really got out of it that that i could like pinpoint it be like ah oh, right okay here are the things that i want to face and deal with and move forward it's it's incredible what you do thank you and i'm 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 so in love with talking to you guys because you both become, for me, friends very quickly after that session. And also, I can talk extremely openly with you guys because you understand, because you went through it. Mm. And what you said that's very true, Art, is us going back and be our parents when we had suppressed something in order to just please someone that we love so much. Mm. And it's like we talked before I, I walk into that room here that uh, it's fascinating how just by visualizing you as a child in that stressful 
situation, not now, but if you look back, that child went through it and didn't have anyone to open to it. If you visualize yourself as an adult there, being that support for that child, that already changed your genes expression in the neural connections in your brain and mm. the visceral, which make you feel that that child actually did the best that it could with the situation he or she found herself. But now visualizing you there as an adult for that support for that child. And instead of criticizing, praising, and saying to yourself as a child, you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. That you change neurological and, and, and genes expression in your visceral level, mm. which you feel like, wow, actually, I did extremely well. And I'm actually proud of the way that I behaved. Mm. And that will give you enough peace to just keep going with your life and not keep trying to be always someone else because that child sometimes felt not enough. Mm. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. We Kiwis love a good avo. We also love supporting New Zealand businesses. Fresh, locally sourced produce not only tastes good, but does good for the planet too. The team at the Avo Tree have perfected the supply of the humble avocado, delivering the best quality fruit from their Bay of Plenty orchards to your doors without middlemen or cold storage. Just perfect every time, tasty as avocados. The Avo Tree have been in the business of supplying delicious, reliable avocados along with the best advice in the biz for over five years. They work alongside friends, neighbours and local growers to supply kiwis with the freshest avocados at side-of-the-road prices. Avos are super rich in healthy fats and essential nutrients. Perfect for your smoothies and your salads, and we're loving them for baby food. There's plenty to read on Avo Nutrition, ripening tips and yummy recipes over on the Avo Tree website. Discover a whole new world of fresh at www.theavotree.co.nz where you can explore a range of box and fruit sizes and if you're ever obsessed like we are, pick up an avocado subscription and keep your fruit bowls stocked. Plus, the awesome folk at the Avo Tree have generously offered well and good listeners 15% off their first box. All you need to do is use the promo code wellandgood at checkout. That's all lowercase, one word, well and good. Yes! Yes! Can you explain maybe like practically what one of your sessions is like, you know? So if someone comes in, you remember I mean, my experience was we had a really good chat. You got to know all about my history and all about my family and every, all about my past. Then we lay down on the floor. We did some breath work and, and, um, and followed that up with some other stuff as well. Can you explain exactly what you go through in a session? Sure. Uh, so in a session, for example, the first thing that I ask the person is if the person is ready for because some people cannot be ready and just buy a session or book a session because a friend said that he or she needed. So with you and Maddie, for example, you guys came because you wanted. So that's already means I'm ready. I'm ready to see what's there. I'm curious. I'm excited. I'm afraid. So a session normally starts with a one-hour conversation. In that conversation, I'm the first one to share very personal things about my life because I'm not perfect. I'm still growing like everyone else. I'm not better than any of my clients that comes to me. So I believe my clients need to know that, uh, hey, I'm also full of pain, but I have cleared quite a bit already. So all I can do now is help you to clear some of yours as much as you want. So I start by sharing my own story that you guys also know my story. We're not going to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I, I start by sharing my stories in 10, 15 minutes and I'm open, fully open to share anything. I make sure my clients or whoever come to see me, they know that everything we speak is fully confidential because very, very private uh, stuff. And after that, I ask the permission to the person that's with me in the room if I could ask some question about the childhood. So I always start from the childhood. And what you see is almost over 3,000 clients that I had, I would say maybe... 20% of these people, you'll be some question that I will ask in the childhood that they say, ah, I actually don't remember anything from that time in my life. So even if they don't remember that from me with the job that I do in my tuition and my, 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 my practice, I know that the fact that they don't remember, it is something that have happened. 
because the, non, the not remembering it means the prefrontal cortex is protecting from some emotional and psychological pain. So I just start to create almost like a spider web in my brain with the answers of the person that I'm with, having that very openly chat, what parts of their life they don't remember. And when they remember, what was the paper of the main support that was the mother and the father in that childhood of that person? Was a, all the time a full support? Was a, was a, a, a emotional availability? Was dad working all the time? Was mom also doing double shift? Was this child always playing with toys when mom and dad didn't have time? Uh, all those things that with my practice and what I'm doing, uh, the answer give me enough for when the person lays down and breathe, I can start to give clues for that person to start to visualize those scenarios. So the session start with the one hour conversation. Then after that, I demonstrated to the person how I want them to breathe because as we spoke, he has different ways to breathing to achieve different purpose. So I show how you're going to breathe. I make sure the person is fully comfortable. I normally cover the person with a little blanket so they feel protected and safe. Safety is first. And when they start to breathing, I explained what possible physical sensations they will have along the way so they don't freak out because the pH in your blood will change. You feel kind of a cramp feeling. You feel tingling. So I let the person know all the possible uh, physical sensations that will happen. And then when the person is ready, we start the breathing. And the breathing goes for around one hour. And during the breathing, the whole idea is to not suppress any emotion that will arise because emotion will arise, right? Mm. <laughs> and you guys can witness that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the whole idea is to not suppress that. It's to, every time that starts to arise, is to let it go and keep moving. Let it go and keep moving. And we all know that emotions and stress, if it's not released somehow at a safe environment, you will manifest in our physical body. With a illness, it can be a back pain, it can be arthritis, it can be uh, cancer. Again, I'm not saying that's the cause. Mm. I never said that. I'm not a doctor. Disclaimer here, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but my job and my passion is to see the Western medicine and the mind and the spirit just merging together, you know, harmonically, without fighting. We need doctors. We need doctors. We need medicines. Yes, we do. I would say that. I'm not a doctor. But if you can have that ability to touch a little bit deeper in our mind and spirituality and have a better knowledge about that, we can accelerate the healing process. Or we can even avoid a little bit that back pain that people like Dr. John Sarno, a North American doctor that passed away a few years ago, he did over 30 years of studies showing that back pain can be increased or even caused sometimes by suppression of anger and rage. So there's a wow. lot of material there that's available. And again, I'm not saying here that you can heal yourself just doing breathing, just going to the forest and take ayahuasca, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's time, I believe, for all of us, all of us, and doctors are already doing that, a lot of doctors, you see that it is a possibility to merge everything together. One practice doesn't exclude the other. That's what I believe, and that's what I apply to my life. Yeah. So doctors right there, please keep doing your job. Keep saving lives. Keep helping people the best way you can. But a people that is also open to go through those types of practice and understand better what spirituality and what mindset can help here, you know? Yeah. I think it would be very important. Because what I found is that, like, it feels like a, a therapy session with you, but you can just get to a deeper level rather than just kind of communicating and, and talking, which is so important as well. It just helps you kind of, um, yeah, touch on something that you don't actually know is there. So So you can't talk about it if you don't really, if you can't pinpoint it or figure out mm. what it is. Whereas I feel like that's how these sessions really help. It's like a whole few months of therapy all kind of 
condensed into one session. What I what I found it like was, you know, we lay down on the floor, we started doing this breath work. You're kind of guiding me through this. And we kind of touched on all of these things that I was that I knew at the back of my mind that they were maybe not even issues, but they were just things that, you know, were little niggles in in my life with relationships or anything like that. I knew they were there deep down, but I never really put any light on them in my everyday. So going through this breath work with you, it was almost like I felt like I was in a dream, but we'd go and access um, these places and I'd I'd see these people and and, uh, see these relationships that I have with them um, and was able to really work through some of the issues and like really turn the light on onto them. Yeah, it was a, like a surreal experience. Yeah, mm. thanks, guys. And it's, it's, as I say to everyone, we have a lot of people that come already with a preset idea of what they wanted to achieve in a session. I tell people, first of all, take all your expectation, put in the draw for now. Because a lot of times our expectation comes from the prefrontal cortex. That's the driven part of the brain that you wanted to be better, stronger, more successful. And in the other hand, we have our subconscious that this one have all the hierarchy of what needs to be dealt at what time. So when you put the expectation in the draw and you go with an open mind and let the breath do the job and let me guide yourself or whoever is there, you see that a lot of times things that are going to come to your attention, it's something completely different than what you thought that was the cause of that feeling of anxiety or whatever. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't think that was, that was the problem. So I wasn't the problem, but that was what, what was that waiting for a little bit to be dealt with. And your subconscious just allow yourself to just deal with and let it go. Because during the breathing, guys, notes that the emotions get very vivid and that's related to the flux of blood start to get well distributed in between all the three chambers of your brain, the prefrontal, the limbic, and the reptilian. So it's a very fluid communication between parts of your brain, which most of the time we know that something there related to that person, but we can't pinpoint because that communication in your brain is somehow still very well secure and protected to not get you emotionally uh distress so the breath allow you to say no what that's fine i'll go there it's nothing that's gonna hurt me and then you just go to those places where you know that nothing bad will happen Mm. yeah yeah it's almost like you just have to let go of that need to control everything control every experience control every emotion and just let it happen um so you hosted a workshop recently on forgiveness. Um, how do you see forgiveness fitting into the health and wellness umbrella? Uh, for myself specifically, uh, I believe forgiveness is one of the main subjects that we all say we are practicing, but you're not really. <laughs> <laughs> but no one actually is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's including myself. I told all my life, I have forgiven such and such a people very close to me. But when I did some breath work for myself and I saw what forgiveness really means, I was like, oh, gosh. Forgiveness for me is that feeling where you don't need to forgive anyone else. The main person you need to forgive is yourself. And most of the time, forgive yourself for the perception that you had for what happened. Or for feeling that you are guilty for what happened. Or for feeling that you could have done better. So self-forgiveness for me, Mary in Art, I think is the most powerful thing to do first in order to then see in others what you're now able to see in yourself. Because you try to forgive mom, dad, uh, uncle, auntie, friends, but you can't do that if you're still not forgiving ourselves. To feel evil, to feel that we have a, we are angry. And as soon as you forgive yourself, you'll be like, well, actually that person there, they, do, they did what they could do at that time. They were in pain. It's almost seeing people above and beyond through their eyes because I believe everybody has a good thing in their heart. But a lot of times they project their pain by being sometimes reactive. And then you say, I have to forgive that B or that A. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but 
But a lot of times that person is just in so much pain that they can't express that pain somehow and they will be reacting on us. So if I can see that for myself, that I do the same, I'm not perfect, I'll be able to see as well in art and marry that. They actually not hate me or they're not a bad person towards me. They're just in pain. I'm not going to invite them to come to my house and have a dinner with me and my wife, but uh, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? But I don't need to take everything so personal. Yeah. So I think forgiveness is a very is a very powerful subject because once you forgive, you release as well the stress that you'll be carrying by being always reactive in protecting yourself from something that's not happening yet. So if you're always in protection mode, you're going to release adrenaline and cortisol all day like a lion is chasing you. So forgiveness is almost like you say... It's actually not as bad as I thought it is. Mm. That poor guy just did his it's own crap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think forgiveness is very, very crucial for people. Still, even people that's with cancer or in disease, forgiving give you a very, very, very powerful tool to fasten your recovery or your healing, because less stress hormones be released into your body. Mm. And do you think that you can? People can work on forgiveness. They don't need breath work for this. They can just work on it by themselves. Maybe. I mean, I think I've tried to work on a bit of forgiveness for myself through uh, during meditations that I've done, which I've found beneficial. Oh, definitely. I think there's many different ways that people can work on forgiveness. Right? It's, it's about what works better for each person. I'm not here to sell my and say breath is the only thing, but uh, some people can do that. I believe faith is a big thing. Faith that someone is a good person, is not as bad as I think, faith that, you know, the world will become a better place. Believing so, in the good. and It is, yeah. mm. I believe. But a lot of times we try to believe in the good, but it's still it's just in so much pain that I say, like, I can't see any goodness here. You know? mm. <laughs> but like I said, some people use meditation. Some people go through, you know, through those floating tanks and manage to go to a place where they feel like, oh, my God, that's just what I need to just feel in peace. I think it's many different ways in therapies. And some people just go through the pharmaceutical options, which I have, it's not my way to give an opinion here, but uh, I think it's about to find what works for you. Mm. And for me, I'm someone that I love to go through the natural way and use what have been given to me by birth, which is breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so. And it's so amazing how, how powerful it can be. Like We really underestimate the the breath and how how powerful it is for everything, for healing, for health. For, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And we just do it without thinking about it every day. Yeah. With with your breathwork sessions, is it holotropic breathing that essentially we're doing? It's, it's similar. It's similar. It's not holotropic. Uh, holotropic is a breathwork that involves a lot of high-going musics and all that type of stuff. So my breathing is a... It's almost like a hybrid of rebirthing. Uh, it's more into the rebirthing line. That's what I'm. I'm uh, trained. My diploma on that side of breathing is rebirthing. But I have my own method and style, which I implement also things that I've been working since seven years old in Brazil. It's my my energy work, whatever you wanna call. Uh, but yes, the breath is not holotropic, but it has similarities to holotropic breathing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And do you um, do you do a lot of uh, trauma release work on yourself, or do you have someone else help you with that? I do a lot on myself, but the only person that I go that I trust to do on me is Pauline McNabb, that lady in New Zealand. <laughs> the girl. I feel like we've yeah. got a, do we have a book with her? Pauline McNabb. Has she written a book? Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like I've seen that name and I feel like she I've has. seen it in our bookcase. So yeah. I have to oh. leave. I'm going to have to have she's a real a deep legend. dive over there. She's yeah. a legend. <laughs> but uh, she, she's someone, because I believe when you have someone that you trust, uh, that type of work, as you guys experience, sometimes when you're there in that very high level of emotions, you need to feel safe and secure. So that lady, for example, she gave me that safety by me knowing that she's so knowledgeable in what she's doing that I feel comfortable enough to just release my emotions. So I'd say people asking to do that on my own, you definitely can, but I don't recommend you to do it on your own if you have done at least five, six, seven, eight, ten sessions because things can arise that's been sitting there for a while that can be kind of 
whoa, oh my gosh, I just saw that. I just feel that. I, I don't want to feel that feeling. So if you don't have that support from someone that's qualified, that know what you're doing, the emotions arise, I think can be quite scary. Mm. So, Actually, so that um, brings me on to your group sessions. So how do you find that, that people react in those group sessions? Because there's such private, personal things that, that you talk about. How does that work when there's people you don't know in the room? Are people still really open? Well, the, the first thing I have to do is I have to be open myself. <laughs> so, Get the ball rolling. <laughs> so I'm actually the first one to, to share tears with my own story, and I'm the first one to be fully vulnerable. And it's like I say, it said to you guys at the beginning, in a group session or with any client, if I play as I am the god and I, have the, I am the guru, I mean, that would put me off. I mean, we all need to know that we all have things that you're dealing with. And in the first one, to put my hands up and say, I'm imperfect in other people's eyes. And I know that I have a lot to work on within myself. And I will always do to the day that I die, if I die one day. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that already makes people feel like, okay, well, we, we always have someone here that's like us. So when I tell them all my story that you guys know already and when, what I went through as a child and my upbringing and everything, people be like, oh, okay, well, if this guy's open that much, I think I'm going to give a little bit here. But I believe it's a matter as well of feeling and respecting. I will never push anyone to say or expose anything they don't want to. So slowly, it's almost like creating a bond. And I think with strangers, actually, a lot of times it's easier to open it with someone that you know. Funny enough. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also there's there's an energy in situations like that. Like I know with um, different things we've done, like going on that um, meditation trip. Do you remember that? And, yep. And I, I feel like this is a bunch of people that had never met each other, all totally different from all different walks of life. But I feel like we we created this bond because everybody was vulnerable, everybody shared, and there's just this energy that kind of connects people. It's it's really powerful, and it makes you feel like you you are safe to, you know, divulge all of this personal personal things. And there's just this element of unspoken trust, you know, that people are gonna keep it between themselves definitely so right on that and if you see everybody that come to an event like this good or bad everybody's there for the same reason mm. so if you're there for the same reason i tell everybody just do with your own thing mm. and i also make a little game with everyone saying that's like emotional vegas whatever happened here stays here <laughs> so, so. i love that yeah i love that <laughs> Um, hey, so also you're, I mean, you're kind of similar to me in that you're you're on a continual journey for health yourself and you like to be as healthy as you can in a lot of different respects. Can you talk us through some of the things that you do for your own personal health, like day to day, maybe you do them yeah. weekly, monthly? Uh, I'm exactly like you on that, on that path, Art. I, I'm very curious first. Uh, my grandmother, she died at the age of nine, eight, my, my mother's mother. And just because she got a flu and she just didn't treat it, but she could be, you know, 210, 120. And my other grandmother is nine, five now and wow. fully healthy. She still take baths. She still, you know, walk, eat everything. And I, all my, my, my young aides, I watched my grandmothers and they, they always be my heroes of health. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And it was Basic things that we know, like, you know, eating more fruit, more veggies, don't put a crap in your body. Keep uh, moving. Yeah. And the beauty is in simplicity, right? We complicate it too much. So like your art, and I think like you as well, Mary, I try to use my own body and what we have available easily and simply to see what that's going to do to my health. So fasting. I'm like you, I fast every four months for five days. I drink only water and tea and sometimes even just one black coffee for five days. It depends how I feel. And then I go, I say, feeling is the best measurement for me. And I feel like, oh, wow, yeah, I feel a little bit more with energy or without energy. But then I also like to compare to the science that's out there already because people have done the hard yards. We just have to try and look in the research and say, I think I'm identifying myself with this. So breath work, I do every single day. Sometimes I do a rebirthing. Sometimes I go in the water, put the snorkel like what, you did with me. Yeah, that's right. We did that. What, what sort of breath work do you do every day? Most of the time I do the Wim Hof. 
and sometimes I just do alternating nostril. If I'm way too stressed because I pick up a lot of stuff from my clients as well, I can just do alternate nostril, utilize more my left nostril to inhale. So what's that? You just block one nose and breathe? Correct. Yeah. So I block normally if I'm too stressed the right nostril and I inhale to the left and I exhale to the right. So that we How long do you do that for? Around 40 minutes. Okay. And then in between, I do a little bit of breath hold, you know, just to get a little bit of my consciousness up a little bit, mm-hmm. get a little bit of crave for air. So alternate nostril utilize a lot. If I'm in if I'm in bed and I cannot sleep, then I do inhale for four, exhale for eight, all is through the nose, in and mouth out. I make sure I have no tension in my in my maxilla, in my jaw. I make sure my shoulders down. Uh, it depends on time of the day, but I make sure I always every day do some type of breathing or breath work. Depends what I want to achieve that day. I make sure I have my ice bath like yourself <laughs> every single day. But my ice bath, I also do intermittent with a hot bath. So I go from 4 to 5 degrees to 42 degrees. And I do two minutes on the ice, two minutes on the hot, two minutes on the ice. Sometimes at least three days a week, I join a gym that has sauna, dry sauna. And I jump in the sauna for just over 20 minutes. As you know as well by Dr. Pat, uh, Rhonda Patrick. She talked a lot about the... The benefits of sauna. Mm-hmm. yeah, And the heat shock protein activation. So sauna at least three days a week. Ice bath every day combined with hot bath. Any type of breathing. Workout, being a former professional athlete, I went from working out to compete to just doing things that I really love. And I don't give a I don't I don't give a a D. You know, I just go and do what I feel my body needs now. Sometimes I go on the on the paddleboard and paddle for one hour at Mama Ganui. Mm. Oh, that's enough for me. Sometimes I go to the gym and do a 20 minutes interval training combined with some weights. So movement, ice bath, hot bath, breathing, fasting every four months for five days. And I try to eat health. I don't eat much, really, to tell the truth. What does is, what is healthy eating look like for you? I try to introduce as much as I can uh, greens and colorful plates and vegetables. I'm actually okay also with dairy. I love dairy. I, mean, I love dairy too. Yummy yeah, yeah, dairy's yum. Yep. I try to buy organic, sometimes raw, unpasteurized milk and no homogenized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually eat a bit of everything. I indulge myself with my peanut butter treats. Yeah. I do like my grannies, you know, a little bit of everything, balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Because I feel like dairy gets a really bad rap, it does. doesn't yeah. it? And, you know, it's yum. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, I, I really do think that we just need to listen to our bodies more on this one, on, yeah. on dairy. Yeah. Um, because I went for a long period of time of completely cutting dairy out because of what I've read in a lot of science um, about how, you know, there's can be up to about 75% of the world's population are lactose intolerant and all this sort of stuff. And then I, I kind of just started reintroducing it back because I really enjoyed cheese and and. <laughs> and milk, um, and I've noticed no difference at all. So, but it's like anything. It's like dairy is a huge food group, right? And like, not all dairy is created equal. Like, mm. f- for example, your your fresh, organic, unpasteurized milk, or something like organic A two goat milk, or whatever. That's not going to be the same as your standard block of tasty cheddar. You, you know, like yeah. everything's everything's different. Right. Like you mm. can't can't just say dairy. Yes. No, or like yeah. you know this no or that no. Mm. It's like there's so many different things <laughs> in amongst the dairy. Yeah. You know. In in the yeah. wine and wine and dark chocolate, they're yeah. beautiful. I love yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the like, antioxidants. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes a good shot of tequila doesn't go bad as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't be all or nothing. Eh? You've got to no, have no, a bit no. of fun. Speaking of food, a final question for you. Yeah. If you had to live off three foods for the rest of your life, what would you choose? I would say avocado, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nuts. Oh, what kind well, you, of You get one well, more. That's... You get three. That's, oh. There was only two. To tell the truth, I love my grass-fed good piece of meat. Okay. Well, that means that. Your nuts one has to actually be one type of nut. Yeah, choose a nut. I would say being a good Brazilian, I go for Brazil nuts. <laughs> Just two to three a day. Yeah, selenium. High yeah, selenium. High selenium. <laughs> That's a good meal. Mm. That's really I, good I could totally live off that one. Yeah, yeah, same, because you kind of get the flavor and the, 
grass-fed steak, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so if people want to find out a bit more about what you do, um, I mean, we talked a lot about Wim Hof breathing as well. I guess Wim Hof, there's a Wim Hof app people can download. I think I've got that, which people can learn how to do Wim Hof breathing. I think he guides some of the breath, breath work. How do, um, how do people learn about what you do and you? So I have a website that actually need more traffic, guys. So just go down and click it <laughs> on and jump in and out. <laughs> so my website is www.sandro-mota.com. Mm-hmm. Sandro-mota.com. Thank Perfect. you. And what about, uh, what about Instagram? Are you on Instagram? I am. And Instagram is Sandro Tiara, T-H-I-A-R-A. Mota, M-O-T-A. <laughs> I was going to ask you how to pronounce the tiara thing. Good job. Yeah, yeah Man, because tiara. I was going tiara. You know, <laughs> it can be is, actually, uh, my grandfather used to, uh, he was from Lebanon. Mm. So my that middle name used to be tiara, which means airplane in Arabic. Oh. But actually when he migrated to Brazil, he changed to kind of Portuguese accent, tiara. Mm. Tiara. So, cool. Tiara. I love it. Uh, well, Sandro, it was so awesome talking to you today. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw underscore collective.co. But wait. Before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message and leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.